Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Another episode of the Crossover Podcast. I'm Rohan Nakhani, joined today by Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Mannix. Chris, before we get started, I have a question for you. You know, I know that fans of this podcast really expect me to come in here, bring the energy, bring the fun, bring the enthusiasm. Just really, really tough loss for my Miami Dolphins last night, and I'm still feeling it. I'm just curious, are, are you a fan of any sports team at this point in your life? Uh, I would say I'm a casual fan of the Boston Red Sox. I am a casual fan of the Boston Bruins. Um, the Red Sox, I can watch a little bit out of NBA season. The Bruins, I try to get to a couple of games. I, I mostly like watching the Bruins because I don't know anything about hockey. And I think <laughs> that hockey is... Well, not that I don't know anything about hockey. I don't know anything about the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Like I, Hockey is one of the most... Uh, in-game friendly sports out there like you know i love going to a hockey game even if i don't know any of the players and watching the play like it's just a lot of fun to watch so probably those two uh teams i'm i'm connected to there we go i just i had a hard time imagining as we started this podcast you taking a loss as badly as i was taking that loss last night i I echo you on hockey a lot of back and forth action in hockey i think uh the nba maybe could uh take a note or two from how few tv timeouts and replay reviews there are in hockey comparatively all right chris let's get to basketball there's a lot uh to discuss today and i want to start with something i actually wrote about this week um this player had a big game last night in the wake of a ton of criticism i'm talking about zion williamson who after the pelicans 
got just trounced by the Lakers in a 44-point loss in the semifinals of the in-season tournament. I mean, everyone was turning the heat up on Zion. You had Shaq saying after the game, he reminds me of me, but not in a good way. You had J.J. Redick, a former teammate of his, and, and J.J.'s, I would say, one of the more team-friendly kind of player-friendly commentators out there, kind of saying Zion is not bought into his own career yet, um, doesn't know that he has that kind of commitment to winning. And then you had Stephen A. Smith just kind of emptying the clip on ESPN, saying, going to the extent of saying that chefs in New Orleans love Zion Williamson, which, I mean, we can discuss all this, so... I just want to kind of open the floor because, you know, there were some Zion trade rumors in the summer. Maybe the Pelicans were shopping him, looking to maybe send him to Portland for that third pick. Was a rumor you heard at some point. But where are you on Zion right now? Because he's not really having a great season. He doesn't have the burst that he had when he came into this league. Now there's this groundswell of criticism. What have you kind of made about these last few days of Zion? Look, I think some of the criticism is perfectly reasonable. Um, I watched and listened to the comments that Shaq and Charles Barkley made uh, after the in-season tournament semi, and I thought they were pointed, but uh, not over the top. You know, that they were, you know, using statistics, using the eyeball test to point out flaws in Zion Williamson this year. It's true that he's averaging the fewest rebounds of his career. Now, some of that is because... You know, he's playing next to a big man in Jonas Valanciunas. He's being asked to play more point forward at this point in his career. So he's away from the rim at times. But, you know, his rebounding numbers should be better. I mean, even in a game like he had Monday night against Minnesota, what do he have, five or six rebounds in that game? So he's still not rebounding at the level you'd expect a player with his type of size and skill to be able to rebound. And, I, and look, Barkley and Shaq, they're they're drawing from their own personal experience. You know, Barkley was heavy at times. Shaq was heavy at times early in their career. They didn't buy in all the way and didn't, you know, treat themselves treat their bodies the way they probably did later in their career. So some of that criticism is fine. The the the, the debate show stuff is over the top. Chefs in New Orleans are if your entire business is predicated on Zion Williamson coming in, like that doesn't make that, that stuff is just yeah. kind of goofy. That's just for, you know, social media traffic and clicks. Like I don't pay much attention to that, but the Barkley stuff, uh, you know, I, I get the Shaq stuff. I get, I didn't see the JJ Reddick comments, but you know, if, if that's what he said, that makes some sense uh, as well. Look, Zion, the, the big reason this is a story right now is because the Pelicans are really good. Like, mm-hmm. as we're recording this, New Orleans is 13-11. and 11. They're in 10th place in the West, but they're only two games back of the third seed in, uh, in, in the Western Conference. Uh, C.J. McCollum has come back. They've won four of the last five games with C.J. there. Brandon Ingram is a stud. Herb Jones is a defensive menace. They have got the pieces to make a deep playoff run, but they can't if Zion is a lesser version of himself. He needs to be the best version of himself. That means spending, you know, the next couple of months during the season continuing to work his way back into shape and giving them a little bit more. Um, look, his scoring numbers are fine. He's like 22 points per game, but some of that's that, that's down from last season in mm-hmm. part because the Pelicans have some other guys that right. that are taking some of the, that production. He's shooting like 58% from the field, which is down a couple of points from last season. So I'm not so worried about that. It's just... Something you mentioned earlier, the, the burst, it it's not what 
it used to be. And, and I'm basing that off my own eyeball test. I saw him play in New or- in, uh, in L.A. Uh, about a week or so back, and you could see it. He still is just a load to deal with in the half court, especially from the foul line extended. But he doesn't have that same explosiveness that I've seen in years past. Can he get that back this season? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I do think that how far the Pelicans go depends on how well Zion plays. If he plays to the best of his ability, they can win the Western Conference. Like, they're that good. Uh, but if he is a lesser version, you know, that's a team that that could easily get beat in the first round. Yeah. I, I First of all, I just want to say, I kind of echo what you said about to me, there's a conversation, like, I think it's fair to say, is Sion in the best condition he can be? I, I think that's something that's fair. And if you watch, uh, you know, that's something you can kind of pick up on. And to your point, it's like, I love watching Zion Williamson play basketball. I mean, typically the Pelicans are like the top of my league pass rotation because of him. But you've seen it this year. He just doesn't have that same burst. Um, and you mentioned the half court. I agree. He can still be really effective. Then you saw nights like that Lakers game where he shot well from the floor, but the, just the way they were defending him, sagging off of him in the half court, he didn't really seem to have an answer. And it's tricky because, you know, David Griffin said, kind of headed into this season, he thought Zion was maybe taking his, you know, his offseason more seriously than he had before. And I don't know if it's just there's injury troubles, but to me it's like there are, you know, players who've played at maybe a, a higher weight or whatever the case may be that can succeed or players that weren't necessarily, you know, like Carmelo Anthony wasn't always like chiseled his entire career, but he was in great shape. Like there are a lot of players who've played that way. And to me, it's less about Zion's weight, but is he just in the best possible condition he can be to thrive for this team? And I don't know that he is. And it's, it's hard to, of, it, it's, it's, it's yeah. ultimately hard to, to gauge because right. He's never going to be Carl Malone, but at the same time, you don't want him to be Oliver Miller. Like right. you, he's got to be somewhere in between. And and look, it's not just guys that have that kind of girth that mm-hmm. you 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 wonder about their condition. Like Kevin Durant was the opposite side of that, right? Yeah. Like Kevin Durant yeah. was always this kind of string bean. You just want them to be well conditioned, strong. So to me, it's not about the weight of For Zion sure. Williamson. It's about kind of you know his ability to. Uh, you know, kind of be an energizing guy for, you know, 35 minutes per game. And look, just again, the eyeball test, he doesn't, he's not always playing at full speed, Mm -hmm. whether it's getting back on defense, running in transition. These are just things that you notice. Like you rebound, you just notice. Like he's not doing that on a regular basis. That's the stuff you want to see cleaned up. You want to see him playing with more energy. I don't care what his weight is today. I don't care what his weight is tomorrow. That to me Mm -hmm. is not a variable in all this. It's it's just about the eyeball test and what kind of energy he's bringing in the minutes he's on the floor. No question. And it's tough because, you know, two years ago when this team had that first round series against the Suns, Zion didn't play that year. That was when he missed the entire season. You kind of felt like, man, they're going to add him back to this and this is going to be something really special. And it's kind of gone the other way. You mentioned this is a really talented team. I mean, Trey Murphy, Jonas Valanciunas, Jose Alvarado, those are guys. You, like, like eight or nine have, deep. Yeah. But the problem is when McCollum, Ingram, and Williamson have shared the floor, they've been really bad. I mean, entering last night, they beat Minnesota last night without Anthony Edwards. They had like a, a minus nine net rating. Like it, it was really bad when the three of them shared the floor. I think there's some questions about 
the fit between Ingram and Zion. And what's really frustrating is, you know, I could sit here and ask you the question, hey, should they think about trading Zion? Like, no. but even even beyond that, it's like, I feel like they still don't know after all these years what this team is supposed to look like when everyone's at their healthiest and best because there's always something. And right now it feels like Zion is kind of the, it's like, is this going to be who he is or do we give him another two months and see if he kind of plays himself into, you know, more energy. And then we have a better sense of if these three guys can make it work. Cause as talented as they are as currently going, like they're not playing very well with their best guys on the floor. I think you got to give it more time though. Like I, I would not pull the plug on any kind of Zion Brandon Ingram experiment, because when you get to the playoffs, what do you need in the postseason? You need isolation guys, guys that can create their own shot. Those two guys can create their own shot. Zion, I'm telling you, like, I don't know if there's any player in the half court that is more dangerous when they make a clean catch inside the three-point line. I know that's very specific, but like when Zion yeah. makes that catch inside the three-point line for the foul line extended, I am 99.9% <laughs> sure that's going to end either in a bucket or a foul. I mean, he went to the free-throw line 12 times against uh, Minnesota last night. So, mm -hmm. like, this guy draws contact, gets to the line, and creates offense for himself. Brandon Ingram, kind of the same way in 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 a different manner. Like, I, you want two guys with the skill sets that they have in postseason games. So I, I'd try to keep them both on the floor for as long as possible. You know, keep C.J. McCollum healthy and out there. I think it's been really valuable having him back for the last five, six games. And... And just keep trying to build and keep trying to work Zion back into the kind of shape you need him to be in. What do you think it would take for them to trade Zion or maybe even entertain the idea? And the only reason I ask you again is You just don't do stuff like that midseason. Mm -hmm. Like, you just don't, like, mm -hmm. you, you never, not for a contending team either. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, I don't see anybody making an offer that, that makes any sense for New Orleans to do. Because like I said, like, they've won four of the last five games that yeah. C.J. McCollum has has played in. Like, you're starting to build on some of that success. Two more wins, and they're, like, tied with Dallas, you know, for the third seed in the Western Conference. Nobody's running away with this thing in the West. They're just not. So if I've got a team that's built around Zion, Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, defenders like Herb Jones, shooters like Trey Murphy, you know, a big, like, Jonas Valanciunas that can match up with some of the burlier teams in the league, I don't mess with that. I don't mess with mm -hmm. that at all. Um, as frustrating as it can be watching Zion – you know, kind of go through the motions. You know, when when you know the, when transition opportunities happen, either way, I don't mess with that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I'm just very curious. You know, we also had the report from Christian Clark of the Times, Picayune, who said, you know, that some some in the team front office have said he just doesn't listen. I'm curious how the team has felt during these last few days. For what it's worth, I mean, I think things Zion, that was a big response. He had 36 last night. I'm looking at the box score. Yeah. Um, I think he's he no said rebounds, all the right things yeah. the last few days. Yeah, it's still low on the rebounds, but it's interesting, man, just because they're a really His good team. His playmaking's gone up. Yeah. He's a career high in yeah. assists, too. Right, like, so, true. Like, as a point forward, he's getting the job done yeah. as a playmaker. So I think, you know, when you're talking about his entire body of work, you've got to mention mm -hmm. that he is playmaking in ways they need him to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, they're really good. They, I, I think that they are obviously built to win now and I'm just interested to see kind of how that situation plays out, but I'm, I'm hoping last night's kind of the start of an extended response from Zion just because he is really fun when he has it going. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So, Chris, we're recording this on early Tuesday afternoon. The NBA sent out its big, glossy press release this morning that the in-season tournament championship game, the most-watched non-Christmas regular season game since 2017. Um, My dad the other day was like, what's this thing the Lakers won the other day? I saw LeBron was raising a trophy. So there's some level of interest here in the in-season tournament. It's done. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would say it's a success. Um, you know, Ethan Strauss, who has a sub stack, kind of wrote about why he thinks maybe it's not, which I thought was an interesting perspective. Um, I think overall, the NBA understands, look, this is the first year. This is not going to be kind of a, a runaway hit the first time we do this. I'm sure they're very thrilled about that viewership number. You know, if they want to sell these in-season tournament media rights, you know, Blah, blah, blah. There's a million ways to talk about this from a business perspective, but I just wanted to ask you, now that the tournament's done, we've had a few days to digest it, um, is there a tweak or a change you would like to see for next year? Just, you know, thinking about the formatting, et cetera, how this all played out. Is there any change you'd like to see moving forward? Well, let's start with the success, as I use air Mm -hmm. quotes, of (laughs) the in-season tournament. And I do think it has been a success. The numbers back that up, whether it's ratings, attendance in the month of November. I mean, we all got these press releases from the NBA. Unless they're lying, all these numbers are an increase over a year ago. I do think that, you know, some people out there, um, you know, Ethan Strauss, who does a great Substack, stack, he, he had a, a post about this, have made good points that, yes, these numbers are improved, but there also has been a significant cash overlay here. Like the NBA has invested mm-hmm. a lot of money, a lot of resources into promoting this in-season tournament, building out this in-season tournament. Hell, the cost of the new floors alone had to have been pretty expensive. I mean, 
you know, is the NBA getting what it needs for the kind of promotion that it's done? So I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that the NBA has spent its way to these types of ratings and attendance improvements, which mitigates the the, the quote-unquote success of the IST. All that being said, I, I do think it has been a success, mostly because we are talking about meaningful basketball games in November and December. Mm-hmm. We weren't talking about them last year. And yeah. like, I don't know what we were talking about last <laughs> December. You're probably talking about like, you know, that December 15th start of trade season mm-hmm. or, you know, one or two teams that are going one direction or the other. The in-season tournament uh, was a spectacle. It, it gave you a reason to care more about these games. Now, as far as changes go, I don't know that I'd make any, really, because like the biggest change you want to make is is this this whole idea of like the group play and like how do you like nobody seems to understand it, even though like you know the <laughs> NBA insists it's very easy to figure out. It's really not, right? Especially for the casual fan that's looking at the in-season tournament and going, "Well, wait a minute. If they win this night, they're in first place. If they lose that night, they're in third place." Like it's very difficult for the average fan to ultimately figure out. So I don't think you can do anything about that. So I wouldn't change that. The idea of the scoring margin determining like uh, tiebreakers, I don't love it because I do think it leads to too many awkward uh, situations <laughs> like we've had Boston, right. Chicago, Toronto, uh, Chicago, as Chicago involved with all this. Like th- <laughs> there's, uh, th- there's been some awkward moments um, in end of game situations but I don't know what the alternative is for that. Like, if you're not going to use scoring margin, you got to give me something else. And, you know, when I talk to league officials, they don't really know what else to, to kind of go. And, you know, some of them, including Adam Silver, has insisted that you know, players aren't as against this as, you know, maybe some may think. So, no, I, I, look, I think it's good. I, I think it's only going to get better. I think people are going to start, are going to continue to care. And I think it's a nice addition to the NBA schedule. Just like the play-in tournament was productive for the end of the season, I think the the in-season tournament is is and will continue to be productive for the beginning part of the season. For sure. Yeah. I, many preface all this by saying it was just exciting to watch. Just as someone who watches a lot of regular season basketball, I enjoyed it. Um, I do feel like players cared. Um, there was a little extra juice to some of these games. And for that reason alone, I'm glad it happened. You know, the NBA's business concerns – Obviously, you know, we need the NBA to exist to do our jobs, but whether their their next deal makes, you know, $100 billion or $101 billion doesn't matter quite as much to me. I just want to watch good basketball. Um, I do think that there are a couple tweaks that I would make. Um, some I don't think are realistic, but I'll throw out anyway. I I wonder if there's a way to just kind of condense the group play a little bit it ends up being so spread out by doing it only Tuesdays and Fridays um, because there's an odd number of teams. You don't have every team playing on tournament games or odd number of teams within groups. That is, you don't have every team kind of playing on group play days. So, you know, do you go to five groups of six teams, something like that? I wonder if that would help. I don't think they should play any other games the week of the tournament. And that's for a couple reasons. One, like the week of the knockout stage, like one, like, I just just give me the knockout basketball at this point. And I understand it's like you can't really have teams take a week off. But also, like, look at some of the crowds when they schedule those last-minute home games. Like, 
some of those crowds were like half empty. Like you could tell fans were like, wait, there's a game this week. What's going on? Um, which is kind of unfair to those teams. So I, I feel like they still need a better solution for that. And then I think lastly, the big one is I know the NBA is like just so desperate to make Vegas happen. And you wrote about this and I thought it was a great point how they shockingly have been last to Vegas now behind every other league with the NFL being there, NHL, MLB on its way. Um, at the same time, I the energy when you compare the energy of the quarterfinal in Indianapolis between the Pacers and the Celtics to what we got during the first semi, which was a, a four Pacific start time in Vegas, I just played at the home courts. Um, I you know it's not the Final Four like college where you know the, again I get the NBA's hope is over years it turns into something like that and you're not going to get buying right away, but you know, how is a Pacers fan supposed to travel for that semifinal game within three days, get to Vegas, etc.? Are, you know, casual fans going to show up for some of these games? And that doesn't, I'm not saying that because the Pacers are a small market. I'm saying that because it's any team. So I think that created kind of a level of, uh, it, it took a little bit away from the tournament during those games, kind of how silent the crowd was. So those are just a couple well, of tweets. They, they started at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Yeah. Like that with the semifinal games, that, that was... I understand why they did it because you got to get two in and you, you, mm-hmm. you, there's a whole process of making all that work. But I'm kind of with you. Like to go from the energy of Boston, Indiana in the quarterfinals on Monday to just a complete letdown in terms of atmosphere for Indiana, Milwaukee on Thursday, uh, that's something I think the NBA could address. Um, you know, maybe it is create a little bit more of a window. So fans can travel to Vegas. Maybe it's just making the finals in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't think there would be a huge issue yeah. with doing that. Um, you know, that's certainly something the league can address. But <laughs> the NBA is not going to... The NBA wants to be in Vegas. They yeah. want to be in Vegas bad. Summer League's in Vegas. The IST's in Vegas. The NBA, uh, some of the response I got what, to my column last week was a reminder that, yes, the NBA was first with that All-Star game <laughs> back in 2007, even though that All-Star game was a disaster. Um <laughs> The, the you know the league wants to be in Vegas, so I don't anticipate them taking the semifinals out. They want to do a Final Four out there, but maybe there are, are ways that they can manipulate it so that you get better atmospheres because that was a real letdown, especially in the semifinals. Yeah, or play at a NBA arena, like a current NBA arena um, that maybe just has a little bit more historic value attached to it. I think our old colleague Ben Golliver threw this out there, but like, yeah, maybe Madison Square Garden is a better place for a final. Here's an idea, though, that I know the NBA will never do, but what they should do is the final should be played on an outdoor court. In, f- in December? You could Listen, what was it in Vegas in, on December 9th? It was like 75 not degrees? Warm. No, it wasn't. No, <laughs> let no. Me tell you something. I wasn't there, but it's not warm in Vegas. And, uh, let me tell you something. At somebody night, that lives night, in Vegas, at night, basically. At night? Okay, fair enough. Let me tell you this. Miami would have been perfect for it. Um, they'll find somewhere warm enough. Go to Mexico. Miami. You just want <laughs> I just want something. Out. I want one outdoor NBA game I don't, in I my don't lifetime. I hate the idea That's of an outdoor. Like, look, they, sh- they, they should do an outdoor game, right? Like mm-hmm. hockey does there we go. their game. Like, that's a lot of fun. But I <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, that. That that's tough to play. I'm looking this up right now. What the Vegas <laughs> with like the average is. Vegas weather? By yeah, what the Vegas weather is right now? 
Um, yeah, no. It is, at, <laughs> at current, as we're recording this, it is 49 degrees in Las Vegas. All week long, it's topping in the low 60s. So, right. no, you're not playing an outdoor LA, game in LA, we're Vegas. playing outdoors in LA. I we're don't going think to you're playing City. outdoors in LA either. LA, it's cold <laughs> at night. Like, you have to play at noon to have any hope of, of that's doing funny. it. Like that. That's funny. That's not going to work. You can do like outdoors. A, you could do a summer game, like yeah. or even early season, you might be able to pull it off. But uh, yeah. you get into December, you're cold weather all the way. Maybe you know they'll have they'll have to have an indoor contingency, certainly. But I'd love to see it at least just once in my life. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Manic, let's switch to a team that had a massive offseason. You wrote about them for a basketball preview. For a variety of reasons, we have not talked about them too much on this podcast, and it's in large part, frankly, due to injuries, and that's the Phoenix Suns. Like I mentioned, we're recording this early Tuesday. Multiple record reports indicating that Bradley Beal is going to return for the Suns tonight. Um, as of last night, Kevin Durant was still questionable for this game, so we don't know if we're going to see... Durant, Booker, and Beal all together, but we are expecting to see Beal. There was a funny moment during Beal's media availability yesterday when someone asked him if it was really a back strain that kept him out this whole time, and Beal was like, it wasn't really a strain, but if I, if I talk about it, we'll be here for hours. Uh, Cole Mickelson, the Suns PR guy, you could see me, like, all right, all right, let's, uh, let's get Bradley out of here. So maybe we'll get some more information on that, but Minix, I want to ask, where, yeah, it was, it was an interesting moment. Um, I want to ask where you are on the Suns because, you know, I think a lot of people liked the Lakers coming into the season. I think you and I are on the same page. The Nuggets probably still our favorite in the West. What do you? What have you made of Phoenix so far? Um, 
do you still have them as like a legitimate title contender? Are you nervous about Beal's injury? Where where are you on kind of their their big three experiment as it currently? No, stands? of course, of course, they're a legitimate title contender. Um, we were not, we were never going to be able to really assess what Phoenix is until Bradley Beal got back in the lineup because you don't know what their bench looks like until the guy Bradley Beal replaces goes to the bench. You don't know what the chemistry looks like between Durant, Booker, and Beal before they get 10, 15 games uh, under their belt. So you never, you're never going to be able to make any assessment. I like some of the things that I've seen from Phoenix. I think the guys they acquired as part of the DeAndre Ayton deal have largely worked out, have given them uh, a, a little bit of something um, you know, to their rotation. But you need to see what this team looks like with Beal, Booker, and Durant on the floor. And look, I, I hope Durant plays on Tuesday night. And if he does, like there are things that I'll be looking for to to make kind of an assessment, not just in this upcoming game, but in, in subsequent games. Like for starters, right now, Phoenix's numbers with Devin Booker off the floor are really bad. They're outscoring teams by nine points per 100 possessions with Booker on the floor. They are minus 3.7 when he's off presumably Bradley Beal will make that better. He'll be able to uh, fill in some of those gaps, be kind of a combo guard, play a little bit of point guard when Booker's off the floor and and give them a lift in that respect. Um, shots at the rim, I think, is another big part of it. Beal's, you know, he, I think he's got a good number when it comes to, to buckets at the rim, much better than Booker and Durant, who are kind of mid-range and out, you know, kind of shooters. So I think the Suns will benefit from getting a few more shots at the rim if Bradley Beal is back to the player we saw the last couple of years. Uh, maybe the pace picks up a little bit. Right now, the Suns are, are very much half-court oriented. And look, Bradley Beal is not a, you know, he, we're not talking about Russell Westbrook here, but he's, you know, he might be able to contribute in that respect. Maybe they can get some more opportunities in transition. Because right now, I think like more than 80% of their uh, uh, shots are coming via the half-court. So, you know, those are the things I'm I'm kind of going to be looking for. More than anything, just some, like, chemistry starts to develop. I'm not mm-hmm. expecting it to happen overnight, but this was a team that believed, that was pinning its championship hopes on Durant, Booker, and Beal. We haven't seen Durant, Booker, and Beal play yet, so we have no idea what this team's going to look like. But So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys get back in action, hopefully on Tuesday, and then playing together, building some chemistry, and, and kind of seeing what they've got because we, we really don't know. It's interesting. First of all, I will say, Booker, what, here's one of the big questions we had about this team was, what are they going to do at point guard? They don't really have a point guard, um, a natural point Booker's guard on good. the roster. Booker's been fantastic, I'd say. I mean, he's, I mean, what is he, over nine assists a game? I think he's been unbelievable. Um, has really, really improved as a playmaker. And we've seen him handle the ball down the stretch of close games, make the right decision, find the open guy. He's been fantastic, whether they put two on the ball, and as you mentioned, still an amazing scorer, mid-range assassin, all these things. He's been fantastic, and I almost think Devin Booker doesn't get enough credit for the way he was talked about early in his career to the kind of player he's become now, where I think he's unquestionably a top 10 guy in the NBA, and somebody who's proven he can be the best player on a contender, and not just can't say enough about how good he's been. Here's my big question about this team. That remains, and one that I'm, I'm starting to lose confidence in, and that remains, what are they going to do defensively in close games? Now, it's possible they're going to be so good offensively that it won't matter. Now, I'm thinking specifically quarterfinal game against the Lakers in the in-season tournament. 
Booker and Durant are both playing. They they both have foul trouble, but they were putting Eric Gordon on LeBron down the stretch. You know, LeBron had his choice of I could go at Eric Gordon, I could get a switch onto Grayson Allen, and you know I wrote about this every game he's played against the Suns. In the fourth quarter, he's just said, pulling Yosef Nurkic up into every pick and roll and said, I'm going to the rim. When LeBron plays the Suns, he gets more shots at the rim, more free throw attempts, more shots in the paint. That's my big fear with them. And I think Nurkic has probably been better than I expected. And you can see what they expected from him offensively and how that's helped his playmaking, his passing, what he does in the short roll, hits the occasional three. I think the guys like playing with him more than they like playing with DeAndre Ayton. It's just defensively, man, even when they get Beal back, I don't know what the answers are. And it's going to be interesting because what's funny about the West is, you think about the teams they'd have to go up against, they might be able to get away with it. Like, the Nuggets don't have that guy who's barreling toward the rim. The Clippers, PG and Kawhi, are capable of it, but they don't do it regularly. But then, like, the Timberwolves, like, what are they going to do against Anthony Edwards? So that's a... A question I have about them that I, I'm curious where you're on it because I, I don't know that I, I feel any more confident now than I did before the season. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, who's the defensive wing stopper? Who's the guy that they put out there in those end of game situations? Because everybody in the league values three and D wings. Like, how many does Phoenix have? on its roster and how many are going to play in crunch time when you're going to have to have presumably Durant Booker and Beal on the floor. And look, I think Durant is still a pretty good defender. Uh, not what he used to be, but still a pretty good defender, you know, Booker and Beal. I wouldn't call either one of them wing stoppers. Uh, it's certainly going to be a challenge. It's why coming into the season, you know, my feeling was if this team was going to be successful, they're just gonna have to blitz teams. They're gonna have to outscore you, you know, 141, 134, 134, 127, those types of, of games. That gets a lot harder in the postseason. But yeah, no, that's that's going to be a challenge. I mean, I'm looking at kind of their top minutes guys on the season right now. And like, who are we talking about? Like, how many minutes is Grayson Allen playing right now for this team? And Grayson Allen's been pretty good offensively for them, but not bringing, not, not going to bring a ton to the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy Bucks fans would get frustrated with in playoff games because he was getting targeted defensively. I yeah, mean, I mean Bates, Grayson Allen's yeah. playing 33 minutes a game. I didn't even think it was that high. Yeah. Uh, he's <laughs> up to 33 minutes per game. Eric Gordon, 32 minutes per game. Um, you know, Nurkic in that mix. Josh Okoge, uh, I don't know. He's at 22 minutes per game. You got Bates Diop can, at eight. Sometimes yeah. they just yank Okoge entirely from the rotation. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, Bates' job is okay. Uh Yuta Watanabe is a shooter, you know, when he's making them. Uh, yeah, it, it's tough, man. It's tough. You just don't – you look up and down that roster, you don't see a – the bull-bull experiment has been an abject failure. <laughs> <laughs> the, you, you don't see that that wing stopper. That That's going to be a problem for them. There's no question. Um, you know, and I don't know how they get – I don't know how they can kind of mask it, you know, with some of the guys that they have out there. It's going to be interesting, and they, they might be a team that really has to win shootouts in the playoffs and, and hope that that's, that's enough. That's, and, but that's what we kind of thought coming in. Yeah. Like even before even before the DeAndre Ayton trade that brought in all these kind of guys, um, you know, you, you just, like maybe with Ayton there, Frank Vogel could 
turn him into Roy Hibbert 2.0 defensively, where he's at least protecting the rim at a high level. But you were still going to play three guys that were... And look, I, I do think when Durant gets to the playoffs, I think he can turn it up to a defensive level. Like, he's got the length. He's He's been a good, uh, an improving defender in the past. But he's in his mid-30s right now, and you rely mm-hmm. a lot on him offensively. So ask him to be an elite defender as well is, is a lot. Booker and Beal... Like who's the next guy you're throwing out there? You gotta play a, another big, obviously, with with Nurkic or somebody else. I don't know. It's 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 a lot to ask. You're right. They're gonna have to. It's gonna be a, a situation where they're gonna have to outscore you uh, in the playoffs. They might do it. Like if if yeah. these guys click offensively, like they might be dynamic. But you know that that's definitely an area of concern for this team uh, uh, going right. forward. I mean, I talked about those Lakers games. Like those were all very close games in the fourth quarter that they all could have won had they made a few more shots. Real quick, before we get out of here, I want to wrap mm. up, but Pistons lost their 20th game oh, in can't. a row. I can't. Uh, I just, I can't. my only, here's my only Pistons question for you. Is there a number of games they'd lose in a row that they would fire Monty Williams in year one of that no. contract? Too like if they, money. Like if they literally lost 50 games in a row, <laughs> would they have to fire him? I, no, I, I think Monty <laughs> is Monty's probably the only guy that is safe on that. Uh, but it, but you know he has to have some accountability here, right? Like it, it begins with roster building and yeah. not having enough veterans on that roster, a la Houston, what they've done this year. Just throwing a bunch of young guys together, it's for the most part proven that doesn't necessarily work. Uh, but Monty's got such a big contract. And look, you asking me how how far, how far this can go. Like, they've got game Philadelphia, they've got a doubleheader with Philly, home and home. They're going to lose both those games. Uh, <laughs> Milwaukee, they're at Milwaukee. That's a oh. loss. Then they've got games against Atlanta and Utah. Like, those are the two games mm-hmm. that you could conceivably see them win. Atlanta is like... They've lost 6-7. I, We're going to just talk about the... Yeah. The Hawks no, at I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about the Hawks. Like, <laughs> like Trey Young is out there getting ejected from games. You know, he's shooting like forty-one percent from the floor. Like that—that's a team that needs to trade a bunch of guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that team's going nowhere fast. Uh, then you got Utah, which has been kind of in a free fall as of late, as their schedule has gotten a little bit tougher. After that, you're you're talking about Brooklyn in a back-to-back. You go to Boston. I guess Toronto's winnable. Then it's a road trip. Then it's like four road games in a row. Like this could get really ugly if they don't find yeah. a, a win or two before Christmas. But like I like I wrote about the Pistons last week, and you know, there's, there's nothing that gets you excited about that team. Cade Cunningham is fine, and I buy the argument that maybe Cade Cunningham would be a better player if uh, he was on a team that was more functional at the moment. Yeah, a team I, that I can could shoot, that. pass, yeah, I defend, can buy that, yeah. but he he yeah. he can't shoot. He's not defending, yeah. so he's part of the problem with that group. Now they've got like Jalen Duran's out for a while now with that ankle Ugh. sprain, and uh, you know, like I guess Oscar Thompson is is a defender, but he's the only one they got. Like that's it's a mess out there, yeah. man. Like and, and some of it's like the mistakes they've made with with draft picks. Like they mm-hmm. didn't draft. Like with Killian Hayes was that that was bad. Like the guys they could yeah. have drafted over him, you know that set them back. They also uh, got you know I saw some Pistons fans complaining. It's like they were so bad last year, but then they still don't get Wemby. Like some of it is bad lottery luck. Like I mean, tough um, shit. Like honestly, <laughs> like you know you don't like you shouldn't be entitled to the number one overall yeah. pick because you tank away the end of your season. In fact, yeah. I am. I believe you shouldn't get that top mm. overall pick 
if you play uh, that way. But even if it's not Wembenyama, they haven't benched the playoffs in four years. Yeah. They've yeah. had two first-round playoff exits in the last 15 years. Like, they have been in good drafting position forever. And usually, when you are in that type of position, you are able to build a winning team. High Oklahoma City, which (laughs) at some point we're going to have to talk about too, because right now they're the third seed in, uh, are they third or second in the West? They've got a top five record, I think, in the NBA. Uh, Like, hey, let's plug Cason Wallace in here, which whoever he thought couldn't shoot but can, (laughs) and is a very good defender as well. Like, Hit on your draft picks. Yeah. Build a functional team. Make smart deals. Like, I just... The Pistons have no one to blame but themselves in this situation. And and I don't know... They, they, I don't know who, who gets fired, but somebody is going to get fired for this. Yeah. Somebody's going to lose their job for this because this is a debacle to be this bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for... The, like, they're... Win, they're their win totals look like lottery combinations or locker yeah. combinations. It's like... I mean, they've won four out of their last, like, 52 games or something Yeah, you insane. go back to last like, season. It's wild. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. Oh. So, yeah, oh, we, man. I, I don't know, I don't know what else, what's left to say about the Pistons, yeah. but uh, if they don't win it's, those games against Atlanta or Utah, one of them, uh, that could easily get to 30. Very yeah. easily get to oh. 30, 30 losses in a row. Oh man, it's going to be interesting. All right, Chris, that'll do it for today's episode. We're gonna we'll come back next week. We have the, the we have some Scalcom rumors to hit. The, the December fifteenth deadline will lift. We can hit a bunch of these teams we've been promising to talk about, but we'll get to that soon. Uh, for today, that'll do it. Everyone, please keep enjoying the NBA season. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.